0: we're going to open up God's Word today in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 3 through 13. If you've got a paper Bible or you can find us in the Bible app where our digital bulletin is. Um, while you pull that up, uh, let, me, let me do some, some leadership things here. Uh, first, I want to say this. It has been, um, it has been a great joy uh, to be a leader here at Christ Community during this time. Uh, such an encouraging group of people, such an encouraging church. Uh, through a lot of hard things and a lot of hard decisions that we've we've made and, and leaned into. So um, I want to thank you for that and, uh, and then in turn uh, talk through some of these things really quickly. First, um, if you're new with us, there's a short survey at loveshulleyville.com slash connect and we'd love for you to fill it out so that we can, can reach out and connect with you. Uh, second, if this is your first time back, uh, we're doing this uh, each week uh, because each week new people are coming back or people are returning uh, if you'll go to loveshovelcom slash I'm back, there's actually two surveys there. They're both very short. One is simply uh, helping us to um, helping us to make sure that as people come back and as more and more people are here, that we're doing things well and with excellence. Um, already, this has been great because one of the things we learned is, hey, as you're coming in, we love to hang out at the coffee bar, even though there's still no coffee there. And so um, we were able to say, hey, let's encourage people. Like, we want you to have conversations. We want you to connect. Just do it over here in your chairs, so that people can come in and find their seat safely. But the other thing that's there is a a short survey about how you can serve uh, as we continue to regather uh, so that we can continue to provide uh, excellence in how we worship the Lord here on Sunday mornings. Uh, And then last but not least, last Sunday we had a covenant meeting for our covenant members. If you missed that, um, it's okay. But we did provide some information about um, how we plan to continue to gather this fall. We're getting ready to turn 10 years old um and some of the things around that um we are looking and considering uh do we do we and we think we might need to go to two gathering times to make sure that we're keeping the numbers in here at a a safe level uh and so there's information in there about that and we also talked about a proposed budget cut that we plan to include in our 2021 budget proposal in November so if you missed it I say all that to say there's a lot that's in there and so we recorded uh that it's a 25 minute uh Peace, and you can watch that at love.com/slash covenant meeting. So um, please check those things out, all right? Um, Good. And now that all that's out of the way, let's read the Lord's Word. Hebrews 12, beginning in verse 3. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary. and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you've forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly, or lose heart when you're reproved by him, for the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the Father of Spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit, so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. And later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, Strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. Lord, we thank you for your word. It is no substitute for you, Jesus, but it is through your word that you teach us how to live. It's through your word that we find life in you. And so we are grateful for it and we ask that you would shape us and mold us by it today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Magnolia. Magnolia. This week, uh, my brother and I, Braden, we were standing in the kitchen. He had just gotten home. He was having dinner. Magnolia was being carried to me by Caitlin in her bath towel. She carries her out, and she's carrying her like a baby, and Magnolia's playing into it, and she hands her to me, and I'm holding her, and I'm like, "Oh, you're so sweet. She looks up at me and she says, Daddy, can I have a knack? That's a snack, in case you didn't catch that. Can I have a knack? And I hear hear Caitlin trying to get my attention. I look over, and she goes, she already asked me, and I said no. So I look down at Magnolia, so sweet in my arms, and I say, Magnolia, what did Mommy say? She said, said no. And I said, then Daddy says no. the wheels start turning i see them turning in her eyes and i'm thinking oh lord what is coming out of her mouth next and she says can i have breakfast (laughs) i said magnolia you're getting ready to go to bed you don't have breakfast until after you sleep and she's like ah you see him going again she goes then can i have dinner i'm like magnolia you ate dinner you had a really good dinner. And so the wheels start going again, and she looks over, and my brother Brayden, who's just gotten home, he's dishing out his plate of dinner on the table, and she goes, Can I have Brayden's dinner? <laughs> she still didn't get any food. <laughs> y'all, y'all are empathizing with her, but you know, I love that story because Magnolia is one of a kind. She has this, uh, ten, you know, for, like just tenacious spirit about her. She's going to get what she wants and she was going to change the question no matter how many times it took to try and get what she wants and you know it made me think as i came to this passage in hebrews chapter twelve about discipline it it caused this question to rise in my mind how often do i how often do we change the question in order to get what we want we can laugh at a cute two-year-old who's trying to get a knack but how many of the things in our life that we really desire do we just we just go on this, this focused mission, and we're going to ask whatever question, we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to give up whatever we have to. We're going to do what needs to be done to get what we want. You know, there's a problem for many of us, and the problem is that the things that we want and desire always end up squeezing out the things that we need and yearn for the most. The things that we desire always end up squeezing out the, the discipline that we need in our lives. For some of us, our desire to get something else out of the fridge squeezes out our disciplined pursuit of healthy eating, and the COVID-19 happens. But that's more serious than that at times. Sometimes our desire for our preferred narrative to be right squeezes out our disciplined pursuit of the truth. We read the articles or the links or the things that we want to read. For some, our desire as kids or teens to go play outside squeezes out our discipline to finish our NTI work well. Preach. Our desire to make the pains of life go away at times squeezes out our our disciplined pursuit of God in the midst of our pain. And instead of pursuing God in the midst of our pain, we look for an escape route. We look for something that will ease it quickly or press it down. Our desire to watch another episode or finish the late game on TV squeezes out our ability to be disciplined about starting our day with time with the Lord. And instead, we're waking up in a rush trying to get on the next Zoom meeting. Maybe for some, it's our desire to pursue sexual gratification. And it squeezes out our disciplined love and pursuit of our spouse. Just one quick look. Maybe it's our desire to experience happiness in life. And at the pursuit of experiencing happiness, we squeeze out our disciplined pursuit of of right living that leads to, to joy, true joy. Our desires often squeeze out the discipline that we need in our lives. But the real question becomes this what happens? What happens to us and in our lives as those desires squeeze discipline out? What's the result of that? You see, as discipline is squeezed out, so too are the things that actually give us life. And, and as that happens, as life-giving things are squeezed out, we head towards death. Proverbs five twenty three says it this way. He will die because there is no discipline and be lost because of his great stupidity. You say, hold on, Blake. What if my desires are good? What if the things that I want are good things? And then here's maybe some crushing news for you today. Left to your own devices, without God, your desires never are good. James detailed the the devious process that our desires lead us down in chapter 1, verses 14 and 15. And he said, But each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. And then after desire is conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is fully grown, it gives birth to death. George Mueller Is quoted as saying this, and it just hit all too strong this week. The natural mind is ever prone to reason when we ought to believe. It's prone to be at work when we ought to be quiet. It's prone to go our own way when we ought steadily to walk in God's ways. Our desire often squeezes out the discipline that's needed in our lives to not only experience God, but to experience the true joy that only He can give us. But consider this the only reason. The only reason that you're sitting in this room and that you haven't experienced death is because of the presence of God's discipline in your life. That's the only reason God's gracious and merciful discipline in your life has kept you and your desires in check, even when you haven't wanted it to. God's discipline has sustained you while He waits for you to become more like the person He created you to be. You see, God's discipline reveals a love that is stronger than than death. God's discipline reveals a love that is stronger than death. This entire passage in Hebrews speaks to that idea, but this isn't just something that's here. The Bible speaks to it all over the place. Let me read a few of those with you. Job chapter 5. Job says, see how happy is the person whom God corrects. So don't reject the discipline of the Almighty, for he wounds, but he also bandages. He strikes, but his hands also heal. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 31-32, Paul is speaking about the Lord's Supper and how we should take that time to, to examine ourselves. And he concludes, and he says, If we were properly judging ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned with the world. In other words, if we were able to look at our lives and think about what's good and what's bad and what's right and what's wrong, and if we were able to do that well, we would have no need of this. But we can't. And so the Lord must judge us. And as he judges us, we are being disciplined by him so that we won't be condemned with the world. Jesus then himself in Revelation chapter 3, verse 19 says this, As many as I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be zealous and repent. When we start to think about this idea of, of the Lord's discipline, one could suggest that outside of Christ's death on the cross, there is no greater expression of god's love than when he disciplines us let me clarify when the lord disciplines us he doesn't do it by tempting us he doesn't do it by testing us or by putting us through some trial the lord's discipline is always a direct response to our disobedience do you catch the difference think about it this way when someone disciplines a child he or she doesn't discipline a child by dangling their favorite candy in front of them and then smacking their hand when they reach for it. We would look at that. And we would, you might be tempted to do that, but that would be like really wrong, right? Like, here you go. Here's your favorite. Don't you reach for that. No, that's not what the Lord's doing in discipline. The Lord disciplines us. He doesn't do it by tempting us. A good parent disciplines by correcting wrong actions. And in the same way, we can't confuse tests or temptations for God's discipline. You know, for many of us, even if we haven't experienced it ourselves, we've seen it to be true in the lives of others that those children whose parents corrected their child's wrong actions early on not only kept them from a whole lot of heartache, but they they loved those children incredibly deeply. And that deep, deep love, right? It's, it's, it's the only reason that you as a parent would sit a child in time out for the 13th time in the same day, right? It's th- that deep, deep love as a parent is the only reason that you take away the very gifts that you enjoyed so much giving to them. A deep, deep love is the only reason that you hold your child out of an activity that you know they love to do. And God loves us like that. But why? Why would God love us like that? He loves us like that because he doesn't want us to die chasing after our desires. Second Peter chapter three, verse nine says, "The Lord does not delay His promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance." Our disobedience delays what God wants to do in our lives, but God's discipline reveals a love that is stronger than death. And this is most affirmed by what the author of Hebrews calls us to remember in verses 3-4, right? For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you've not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood, as Christ did. You know, when we remember that Christ shed blood, was mocked and shamed and vilified, so that he could take on and defeat death, the very thing that that we are headed for when we pursue our desires, it not only inspires us, right, to to lean into being disciplined followers of Jesus, it empowers us to do so because we know, we know that each time God is disciplining us, He is revealing to us His love that is stronger than death. This quote from Hugh of St. Victor was impactful for me this week. It says, Those that deny themselves for Christ's sake can well endure the pains of nature in virtue of the strength they receive in their souls. Hmm. The love of God that is stronger than death is able not only to repress sinful desires, but also to assuage, I love that word, those feelings of pain that arise from sense and nature. You see what he's suggesting? That when when we deny ourselves and, and we begin to pursue Christ, the very things that we think we want, the desires that are leading us to death, Christ begins to work in us and help us to not desire those things. He changes our desires and makes them good. So let's get practical. How is it that that God discipline God's discipline can become the tool that moves us from death to life? How does, this, how does the pain of life uh, become the victory that is repressing sinful desires and, and helping us to process the pain we experience in the world? In other words, how can we experience God's discipline that leads to to disciplined lives instead of just working really hard to be self-disciplined. I believe this passage gives us three steps to that. And I want us to go through them pretty quickly. Number one is this, be open to correction. Be open to correction. Number two is endure suffering. Number three is learn his way. Let's take them one at a time. Be open to correction. Verses five and six of our passage, it says, and you've forgotten the exhortation. You've forgotten what I told you to do. That addresses you as sons my son do not take the lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you're reproved by him for the lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives i love that phrase i'm challenged by that phrase don't take the lord's discipline lightly you know who takes the lord's discipline lightly those that don't believe they need it you know what says about someone when they don't believe they need correction more than likely, there's something that's eating them alive on the inside that they want no one else to see. Bernard of Clairvaux says the trial of a rule is somewhat more strict, which is another, another way of saying, when it gets hard because somebody has put a new rule on you, often suffices to calm unquiet spirits who are not content with the kind of life they are living. When there's an inner turmoil, when we know things aren't right, oftentimes the very thing we need is more discipline in our lives. And yet, all of us can end up in places where we believe we're good. We've got things figured out. We don't want anybody else messing with our stuff. We know where we stand, and we don't need to hear from anyone else on the issue. Let me flip the script for a minute and, and think of, think through it more positively. Do you know, or can you envision, how much your demeanor changes when you're open to being corrected by the Lord on a daily basis? Can, can you begin to sense that if you are open to what the Lord is teaching you moment by moment, day by day, that the way you carry yourself and interact in life with other people is completely changed, you're lighter, you're more free? Can you grasp the impact that you can make on others when you carry a spirit of being open to correction? Let me illustrate it this way. Let's say you sign up to be a t-ball coach. You show up to the field, and you've got your team of players, you see this one player, he's got his bat out, and he's, got his, you know, he's got his gloves on, his helmet, he's ready. You say, hey buddy, you ready to go bat? Yeah. You say, alright, let's, let's step up to the plate. And you start to get him in his stance and he says, I got it, I got it, I know how to do this. What do you do? Alright, let's see what you got. But imagine you've got another kid on the team, and that other kid He's kind of ready, but he's a little uncertain. And he looks back at you and he says, Coach, can you help me know where to put my hands? And I ask you, which player are you coaching? Let me put it in spiritual terms. One believer starts his day reading all kinds of inspirational, empowering words. You can do this. You're strong. Seize the day. But another believer begins his day by praying, God, help my heart be soft to how you want to correct me today. Which one are you coaching? And how do you start your day? Church, in this idea of being disciplined by the Lord, I want to challenge us to just start our day a little differently. What would it look like if everybody in this room, everybody watching online, started their day by simply praying, Lord... I want to be open today to how you want to change me. How would it change your conversation with that person that sees things politically different than you do? How would it change your your interaction with those that that maybe feel differently about wearing a mask? How would it change the way that you interact with people that, that, man, you're just like, I don't know what in the world you're thinking? If instead of approaching it from, I know what I'm doing, I've got this, I've got a pretty good handle on my walk with the Lord, And you, man, you transform that by the power of Christ to say, Lord, what do you want to teach me today? I believe we can change a city if as a church we will simply be open to the change the Lord wants to do inside of us each and every day. Where can you put that prayer in your home so that you pray it every day? Be open to change. But know this. When you invite correction from the Lord, discipline is coming. And discipline is hard. It often leads to suffering. And I'm pretty sure the author knew that because he continues in verse 7. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you're without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Richard Sibbs says, better to go bruised to heaven than sound to hell. One of my favorite phrases is don't waste the pain. Don't waste the pain. We all experience pain. Don't waste the pain. Endure it. Learn from it. Let the Lord heal you in the midst of it. Don't try to escape it or to run from it or to bury it down deep or to push it off on others. Don't waste the pain. So I ask, what pain are you experiencing today? And have you suppressed it or told yourself to not pay attention to it until it goes away? Don't waste that pain. Lean into that pain and see what the Lord is teaching you. Now, this is so difficult because here's what happens inside as we experience pain. We say, I don't deserve to feel this kind of pain. I've been a good person, Lord. And to that, I want to challenge us as a church to to memorize this verse. Psalm 119.75 says, I know, Lord, that your judgments are just and that you've afflicted me fairly. Mm, It stings a little bit, doesn't it? That same man who said it's better to go bruised to heaven than sound to hell also said this, there's more mercy in Christ than sin in us. And that gives us confidence to step into the pain and suffering rather than to shy away from it. One more nasty illustration, just because it's fun and I'm into this new show called "Pop Goes the Vet." Anybody seen it or heard of it? It's beautiful. It's vet pimple popping. Uh, that's great. It's great. So they've collected all these shows that have like these animals with big abscesses on them, and you know they go and they they look at this and then they cut it open. It's awesome. And as I was thinking about this idea of enduring suffering and enduring pain, the Lord brought to mind Pop Goes the Vet. It's great, isn't it? And I got to thinking, imagine if you had an animal that had this big abscess in his foot. Happens all the time, right? Imagine if the vet comes to your house, Josh Ballard shows up in his truck, says, yep, it's a pretty bad abscess. I think it'll get better. You have a good day. (laughs) Gets back in his truck. You're like, well, hold on. Are you charging me for that farm call? (laughs) And the irony is, right, like every one of us would want want Josh to go ahead with the painful process of slicing open that and watching it all ooze out, right? Like we want the healing to happen, and we know that only happens if that gets cut open. And yet for so many of us, when something painful happens in our life, We say, you know what, I'll just live with it. I'll just keep limping along. I know what the source of pain is. I know what hurts. But I really don't want you to cause a little more pain by by cutting it open and allowing it to heal. We have to endure suffering. We have to lean in to the pain and suffering and discipline that the Lord is bringing into our lives. These aren't trials or tests or temptations. Those exist... But those happen for other reasons. Discipline is a response to my wrong action. There's something in my life that is wrong that the Lord wants to correct. So how can you and I stay in that mindset where pain comes? And I believe it's by memorizing verses like Psalm 119.75. And when pain comes, we confess to him right there in that moment from his own word. I know, Lord, that your judgments are just and that you have afflicted me fairly. Don't let me waste the pain, Lord don't let me waste the pain. So these first two applications, right, just the idea that we would begin our day being open to change and that that we would memorize the scriptures so that we can lean in and not waste the pain, they're really about aligning your heart and your mind with God's plan for you. Notice that as we've talked about discipline, we haven't even gotten to self-discipline yet. And without the Lord's discipline in your life, self-discipline is like putting duct tape on the Titanic. It's not going to get you very far. But if you're open to correction and you will endure the suffering that comes, then and only then can you learn his way, his disciplined way that leads to freedom. Hebrews chapter 12, verses 12 through 13, right? After he said all these things about discipline, the author says this, Therefore, because you've got your heart right, you've got your mind right, therefore strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. I love Man, I love the truth of the gospel in this. He doesn't just say, things are hard, buck up. He says, no. Remember what the Lord's already gone through for you. Be open to the fact that he knows what's better for you than you do. He wants to change you and make you more like him. He will help you endure the suffering. And then you can learn his way. You won't find strength if you think you're strong enough. Your path won't be straight if you think you've got things straightened out. If you become your own doctor, you'll end up dislocated instead of healed. Because only in Christ will you have the ability to learn his way, to be healed of past wounds, and to find strength for the day. It's not something that self-discipline can do. I want to finish by just talking for a few moments about what could flow out of this kind of self-discipline? Self-discipline that's, that's fueled by the gospel if each one of us at Christ's community began to, to buy into this idea of self-discipline that follows God's discipline. The scripture says that when this happens, man, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. Peace comes. That's what happens. Peace in our homes peace in our church, peace in our city. Righteousness or right living comes. If you're a parent, you value right living. (laughs) Even if you're not, you value right living. It just makes life easier. And that comes. Joy comes. Healing comes. And for us here at Christ Community, when those things begin to come, then, then the vision that the Lord has given to us begins to become a reality that we become a church that's not just about serving but is also about generosity, generosity of our time, our talents, and our treasures. Those things begin to be true because the Lord is is molding us and helping us to learn His way. Disciples begin to be made. In other words, it's not just a crowd of people coming together, but but there are people who are genuinely giving their lives to becoming more like Christ. And, And not only are they doing that, they're helping others to do the same. And as a result of those types of things, man, the vision that 1% of our region, 1% of our region will begin to be reached through new churches becomes a reality. That when we look out across our region and think that 85, 90% of the people are without the hope of Christ, and we, we know what that is, we know where we can get that, and we can, we can help introduce you to him. That becomes a reality when self-discipline follows God's discipline in our lives. Here's the thing some of you are maybe like me, you're very driven people and you're like, I'll just take self-discipline. If you go that route, man, you may have a lot of really good things in life. You're going to have friends because of your experience here at church to to make weekend trips with. You're going to have people to raise your kids alongside of. But at some point, at some point, the words of verse 13 are going to haunt you. And it says, so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. You see, when we try to discipline ourselves, we just end up dislocated. We end up feeling left out. We end up feeling out of place. We end up just walking with pain constantly because things are dislocated instead of properly healed by the Lord's love for us. So how can we lean into learning his way? Remember, it only comes after we're open to change and and after we're willing to endure the suffering that comes. But how do we do that? I want to give you two opportunities. If you go to loveshulleyville.com slash discipleship, these are some new things that are happening uh, at Christ Community, some new groups. You can learn more about those groups there. There's an application if you'd like to be a part of one of those groups. But but really I, I would even encourage you, like, man, you, you've got to really be hungry for the Lord if you want to do that because it requires an extreme amount of discipline. But if you're not ready for that, you can go to that same site and there's a set of reading plans there. And one of them is called Living Jesus' Way. And it just helps walk through the, the gospels and, and, and you just read through the scriptures and, and you can think about how is it that Jesus walked and lived. And if I think about that as it relates to my life, what's the same and what's different? man, I begin to walk completely. I begin to learn his way. I walk differently in my life. So would you seek out that, that discipleship today? LoveShaville.com slash discipleship. Be open to correction. Endure suffering. Learn his way. <clears throat> I wasn't sure how to end this sermon. And for whatever reason, the Lord just said, end it the way you started, and that was with Magnolia. And there was comedy because as I thought about the story that I told at the beginning about Max, I was just drawn to the, the, I mean, it's hysterical to me, her affection for snacks. You see, there's a verse that when we dedicated Magnolia here at Christ Community that we selected for her and began to pray over her each night. Psalm 34.8. taste and see <laughs> that the Lord is good. It is awesome. It is awesome. So, you know, I won't say every night because that would be, you know, somewhat deceitful. But many nights, Magnolia will be laying in her bed. I'll come in, I'll lay down with my face close to hers, and I'll pray, Dear Lord, please call Magnolia to yourself. Help her to taste and see that you are good. We know that she will be happy when she takes refuge in you. And we pray that over her, right? Uh, Until she understands her saving grace in Jesus, I think she's just taking that taste and see part really literally. Because the girl loves her snacks. But this week, as I I was revisiting that, for whatever reason, I, I just read the next two verses and it said this you who are his holy ones fear the Lord for those who fear him lack nothing and then this this verse 10 man it got me young lions lack food and go hungry but those who seek the Lord will not lack any good thing the question that struck my heart was this are you seeking your desires Or are you seeking the discipline of the Lord because right here in verse 10 the, the young lions man they, they they lack they want food they're hungry and yet they still go hungry in pursuing their own desires. But those who seek the Lord, they don't lack any good thing. And that, that question was piercing to my soul. Am I seeking my desire? Am I seeking the discipline of the Lord? So as the Lord asked me that question, I ask you that question today. The band's going to come. We're going to sing about the good news of Jesus. And if you need to turn from your desires today, if you realize, maybe even just in this season, right, things have gotten hard and things have probably gotten hard because I've been pursuing my desires. If you need to turn from your desires today, would you leave them where you sit? I'll be sitting down here in the front row and come forward and let's let's seek the Lord together. Let's seek the Lord together. Turning from our desires and turning to the discipline of the Lord. He wants us to learn his way so that we might be free. Let's pray. Jesus, your love is stronger than death. We are so thankful for the Lord's discipline that reveals that to us day in and day out. Help us as a church to live differently because of this truth. To be open to the change that you would have. To lean into the pain that we're experiencing in our lives. To learn your way. Jesus, I pray that if there's someone here today that is wrestling with their relationship with you, it's wrestling with pursuing their own desires, I pray, God, that you would use your spirit to give them the courage to, to turn from that and to come to you. Today, Lord, may our worship of you be pure and holy may be acceptable to you, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.